Well, in the last week and a half, our familiar lives have entered the unfamiliar. Well, it's not that we've never been here before, right? But we're used to daily living, daily patterns, and so much of it has been interrupted. Accustomed to being able to go get around, suddenly we're forced to stay at home. Was that good or bad? Yes, yeah. Accustomed to always having daily goods available to us, suddenly we had scarcity of food and fuel. Did you see it? Yeah, it was here in our town. Accustomed to a town full of guests on any given weekend, the townspeople got to have the town to themselves, which was both nice and really, really strange all at the same time. The familiar world was left behind for the unfamiliar. Well, Lent is a journey away from the familiar toward the unfamiliar, away from what we would have chosen for ourselves towards what God has chosen, away from what the disciples would have chosen for Jesus to the path that Jesus was sent here with. Lent is such a journey, and God leads in Lent. He leads us with his blessing to the cross and to the empty tomb. Okay, we've introduced the idea of the familiar and the unfamiliar and a journey and Lent. Well, let's go back all the way to Genesis chapter 12, which was our Old Testament reading today. I mean, we're going back now, not just 2,000 years to the time of Christ, but quite a bit further. Really, another 2,000 years back still. We find also for Abraham, Abram, soon to be Abraham, and his family, a journey as well. Abraham's family is called away from the familiarity of their home. I don't know if you heard it. He lived in the land of a city called Ur. You are in the area, the region of the Chaldeans. If you were to look that up today and try and locate that, the best we understand it, and, and the text also said it's beyond the Euphrates, is that it's in a bend or a former bend of the Euphrates River in what we would now find to be southeast Iraq. That's not exactly Israel. This is quite some ways away. There he is living in Ur of the Chaldeans, and God calls him to a new land and says, I will bless you, and through you I will bless all people. The journey was read for us today. Let's consider some of its waypoints, if we can. Abraham, as I said, was called to leave his home. Check, we've got that. Although, let's pause there real quickly. If we were to go to the very last chapter of the book of Joshua, suddenly the history of God's people Israel is being recalled there, and we're brought into focus about Abram and his family even more. In that very last chapter of Joshua, we're told that while living in Ur, the land of Chaldeans, with his family and his fathers and his fathers' fathers and all the family with them, they were idol worshipers. They did not know Yahweh. They did not know the Lord God, the God of creation, the God we know of creation and salvation. They were worshiping idols, people far off. So Abraham was called to leave his home, and he obeyed that call. Pretty darn amazing, even though it was going to be difficult. He gets to a new land, and it says there, verse 8, that he pitched his tent, he set up his home, and it says in verse 6 also, an interesting little detail, there were Canaanites in that land. Hold that thought. And then two more points of interest for us 
in terms of Abram and his trip. Two more points of interest. It says in verse 6, he hung around some great tree, and then finally in verse 8, and near the great tree there was a great hill. And what was the result of all this? Verse 3 says, Abraham was blessed. He was blessed. By faith he was blessed, and his name became great. Verse 2. This faith would be counted to him as righteousness. That's familiar language. It was read for us by Roger in Romans chapter 4 today in the epistle reading comes to us also from Genesis chapter 15. Exactly that. The faith of Abraham would be counted to him as righteousness. And finally, his name would be connected with an example for all of God's people. That's what it means for Abram's name to be great. That it would be an example for the generations to come. There's often confusion about this uh, journey of Abram. Some have become confused and said, God must have seen something special in Abram. A spark in Abram. Something good that God just then further fanned into flame. But as I've already shared with you, I don't think it fits. Joshua 24. There was Abram with his brothers and fathers and his father's fathers living beyond the Euphrates, worshiping false idols. I don't know of a spark there. I just know of Abram worshiping all kinds of false gods that weren't the living God. And yet God called him. No, it's not that there was something great in Abraham. Rather, we know that he was blessed by the sheer promise and gift of God. And when he heard this sheer promise and gift of God, he simply trusted, he believed. It was his faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's Abram's story, but have you ever noticed that there's similarities between these waypoints on Abram's story and the story of Jesus. There's similarities. Now, there's many differences, of course. Abram was told that he'd become a great nation, and through him all peoples would be blessed. Jesus was actually sent to do the task. That clearly is the major difference. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And Abram's journey did not end like Jesus' journey. Yes, there are differences for sure, but consider some of the similarities. Having done some of those waypoints in Abram's journey, consider now the journey of Jesus. Jesus was called from his home with the Father to a land where Abram had once roamed also. Jesus obeyed his Father's will and he did it, knowing fully that he did it for you and me and all. John chapter 1, the first chapter of our gospel today, the gospel of John, says this about Jesus. Jesus came, the Word became flesh, and it says, He tented among us. He tabernacled among us. He took His dwelling among us. Jesus lived like Abram amongst a strange people. We don't have time for it this morning, but we could simply open up every last Gospel and we'll see where He's bumping into strange people after strange people. Yeah, it's the outsider like the leper but it's also the insider in love with the law, adding to the law, adding to God's Word, and yet knowing nothing about God's grace. Jesus lived amongst a strange people. And Matthew chapter 15 even outlines for us that Jesus spent some time with a Canaanite. And finally this. With Jesus also there was a tree and a hill, wasn't there? Yeah. A tree on a hill, a cross 
there. Even though we do not see the glory of the promised land to come here in our journey together, right? Daily life is tough. In fact, life is a struggle. Life is painful at times. We don't quite see that promised land, yet still here we are blessed also by faith in the great name of Jesus. By faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross and empty tomb, we are saved by his work, which we could never do ourselves. And just as Abram, Genesis 15, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, so also then, Galatians chapter 3, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abram, the man of faith. Abram is promised that by one of his children, all his children will be blessed, all the world will be blessed. And now in Jesus, God actually blesses you and me and the world. Listen to what uh, was said by Thomas after the resurrection, also the Gospel of John. Said by Jesus to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those. And we could maybe stretch it out a little bit. Blessed are those at Shepherd in the Pines. And in all of God's church, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. God brought Abram and us on a journey. Abram's journey has similarity to Jesus'. Our journey has similarity to Jesus'. Yet the real joy is that in Abram's journey, and in our journey, we are brought into Christ's journey. We are brought into the path that he took for us that we could not take for ourselves. Yes, there are similarities with the journey of Jesus, and yet Abram's journey and our journey only find their culmination, only find new life and joy in the journey of Jesus. Well, we've sort of mined a little bit Genesis 12, this is kind of a rare sermon for me. Now we go and focus here at the very last a little bit on Genesis, or rather John chapter 3. You know the, the end of John chapter 3, right? John 3.16. Can we say it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yeah, we know that well, don't we? We also know, maybe not quite as well, the Nicodemus story leading right up into it. This really interesting story with Nicodemus. It turns out that Nicodemus is also on a Lenten journey. He too experiences the difficulty of leaving the familiar places of his life in order to try and follow Jesus through difficulty. Consider, did you see what Nicodemus was labeled there? A teacher of Israel, Right? He's one of their experts. And yet now he's coming to this dusty rabbi, and the expert is asking questions. Not just a dusty rabbi, but a dusty rabbi from Nazareth of all places. Yeah, his journey of faith begins here in John's Gospel. But it's worth also pointing out that Nicodemus, through the Gospel of John, shows up three different times. Three different times. Right here at the beginning, once in the middle, and once at the very end, in fact, right at the cross itself. Nicodemus' first visit here with Jesus is at night. That also is telling, right? Not in the daylight. 
Not when others could see, is he going seeking out the dusty, dusty rabbi, but at night. It was to learn about his teaching. In John chapter 3, Christ teaches Nicodemus about new life that will be received in the waters of baptism. Jesus says to him, and we already heard it, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then this also, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In fact, in your baptism, like Abram and like Nicodemus, God has called you to follow Jesus into every place in life that he will lead you. In fact, he doesn't just call you to follow Jesus. God attaches you to Jesus. That's a lot better still because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty bad at following many days. Pretty bad at it. But God has attached our very lives to Jesus. And Abram wasn't the only idol worshiper before this call of God. Consider Romans 5, directly after our epistle reading for today. For while we were still, still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. That's a description of us before our baptism in Jesus. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Sort of like Abram, far off in a distant land, worshiping false things. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Brothers and sisters in Christ that shepherd in the pines, you've adopted us, my family. How natural that is for you. Because all of us together have been adopted and given new birth into God's family through baptism. In your baptism, God called you out of your life of idolatry, rebellion, and death. And in your baptism, God brought you to new life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus, what did he do once we were attached to him? He carried us with him to the cross. But there on the cross, he separated from us what we could not separate from ourselves. Our sin, our guilt, and our shame. And he paid its price there, and he put it to death. And then he carried us with him to the grave. And then finally, he brought us to new life. A life where we are at peace with him and the Father and each other. In your baptism, the Holy Spirit promises to be with you now every step of this life's journey until we reach the promised land of the new life to come. Well, I only gave you so far one of Nicodemus' appearances. Two more in real quick succession. The second time Nicodemus is mentioned in John's Gospel is when the religious leaders try to arrest Jesus. And now it's not by night. But it's Nicodemus by daytime, and he even defends Jesus. He tells the Sanhedrin, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And then they replied to him. It was like spitting in his eye. Are you from Galilee also, Nicodemus? They know he's not. It's a derogatory thing they just said to him. In this part of Nicodemus' journey, we are reminded, like Abram, that when we are attached to Christ, we will be in conflict with the world around us because of our faith. That conflict looks at least like this that at times we'll be called to flee from sin, 
but otherwise on our own, we want to run to and participate in. We're called to flee from it. We're called to flee from it, not because God is trying to keep the good life from us, but rather just the opposite. We would be called to flee from sin because God wants us to have no business with death and activities that deal death to ourselves and others. We'll also have conflict with the world in this way. That just when somebody has deserved nothing but revenge and spite and anger and payback, we will be called to apply grace. Apply grace. Kids, it's true in school and everyone else in our daily lives that when it comes to school and work, we get the fruits of what we have sown. But now in our life with Christ, as we deal with other people, we'll be called to deal with them not based on what they deserve, but based on the very grace and forgiveness and mercy that God has shown us. A final third time Nicodemus will arrive, and it's at the culmination of Lent. At the promise fulfilled to Abraham when we see the crucifixion of Jesus where God indeed blesses not only Abram and his children, but all the people of all the world, Nicodemus will be there also, John chapter 19. He'll be there assisting Joseph of Arimathea as they bring the body of Christ down from the cross and lay it in the tomb. And so it's fitting that we begin our Lenten journey with Abram and Nicodemus also for they are good travel companions during this season of the church year. But as much as they're good travel companions, it's better still that in this Lenten journey we travel it with Jesus, who has attached our lives to his own in our baptism. And knowing that to be the case, I can say to you with confidence as you travel with this Jesus, that he is with you today and every day. And He is for you. And finally, He works through you to serve your neighbors with the very same grace and mercy and forgiveness He gives to you. God has made it so, and may He continue to make it so in our lives today and all this week long. And God's people say, Amen.